Then when you add on top of this, we have a, there are challenges that come our way that the enemy can seek to turn so many things upside down. We have financial problems. Some of us have lost our jobs. We have health challenges, especially amongst the elderly. We have unmet targets. And those targets are either set by yourself, whether reasonable or not, or those targets that have been set for you by other people that you are struggling by every means to meet. You have debt. Or bereavement that come to us once in a while. And I hope we realize that except Jesus comes, all of us will go one by one. All of us. But may God help us to fulfill purpose before it's time for us to go. Like our senior pastor told us last week, discouragement does not have to be forever. It doesn't. It started at a particular time. Nobody was born with discouragement. So, for you as a child of God, it will have an end date. It will have an end date. But discouragement is a natural response to the challenges of life that we have just mentioned, some of them. But we must not allow it to linger. We must not. What am I trying to say? That your response to discouragement is a matter of your attitude. What others will push behind them and say it will not affect me. Others carry it not just on their head. They carry it on their hand. Anywhere they are going, they refuse to drop it. This correctment doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to follow you. It doesn't. And we are going to see very soon how we are going to deal with it. Because if you allow it to, to linger, to go with you, then what does it cause? It can lead to sin. It can lead to all other complications in life. For example, you can have temptations. It can lead you to temptation. It can lead you to doubts. It can lead you to fears. You don't have to worry. You don't have to worry. That was why we took that song. It can lead to fears, among others. Even medically. Some of you know that when you have a few challenge, I think many of us know here, what happens? Your blood pressure begins to uh, rise. There are many doctors here. God bless you. Sir. Your blood pressure begins to rise. Your heart begins to beat faster because anxiety sets in. Why will you give room to that? It has no benefit if you allow it to linger. In addition to all this, we must be aware that day in, day out, we have our enemy, Satan, who is always seeking to discourage you and discourage me. He's always creating obstacles for us. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, Paul describes him as a roaring lion, seeking who he may devour. He can only devour you as a child of God if you submit yourself to him. In Ephesians 2.2, 2, Satan is 
described as the prince of the power of the air. And what does he do? He shoots arrow at you. He shoots arrow at me. He shoots darts at me and you. Seeking to bring us down. So, if we have weaknesses, and we are aware that somebody is trying to take advantage of the weaknesses, why will you and I give him permission? Why will we, you and I, by our conduct, by our thoughts, by our words, why we, we invite him in? And that is where, with these general comments, that we talk about our text for today. What do you do when you face these challenges? And our example is from Elijah. We are going to read 1 Kings chapter 19. Let's read 1 Kings chapter 19. I read verse 1 and I'm going to read it to verse 18. And as usual, I am reading from the New International Version, NIV. Now, Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely. If by this time tomorrow, I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his dear life. When he came to Bathsheba in Judah, he left his servant there. While he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no, long, I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some baked bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then laid down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time, touched him and said, get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There, he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. Turn down your altars and put your prophets to death with a sword. I am the only one left. And now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. For the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he put, pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? 14. He replied, 
have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said to him, go back the way you came and go to the deserts of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king of Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat from Abel-Mehola to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death anyone who escaped the sword of Hazael. And Elisha will put to death anyone who escaped the sword of Jehu. Yet, I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bound down to bow and whose mouths have not kissed him. May the Lord bless the reading of his word to our hearts in Jesus' name. The first thing I want us to do, brethren, is that you must recognize discouragement. Recognize it. If when you recognize it, it's like, yes, I have discouragement. That is not a faithless confession. You are only acknowledging the reality of your situation at that time. And that is the first step towards dealing with that situation. Here we can see the life of Elijah. Elijah had just come down from the mountain. He had dealt to the prophets of Baal. Put them to the sword. 450 of them, none of them escaped. He had brought Israel back to the Lord. It's like saying reconciling Israel to the Lord. And yet soon after then, he went into discouragement. A version of discouragement. Discouragement can be in many ways. You can come your own way. I don't know what you are facing. But acknowledge it. I have a discouragement. If it happened to Elijah, especially when he was on top of the mountain, so to say, not even when he was in the valley, it can happen to me. If it happened to Elijah, it can happen to you. And it could be very serious that if you don't deal with it, you'll be derailed. May, that not let, may God not let that happen to any of us here. In the name of Jesus. As you read the threat from Jezebel to Elijah, we expect him to at least, we expect Elijah to at least hold his ground. Haba, I'm a prophet of God. I've just come down, look at the mighty miracle. All he needed to do, just say the word. Stand his ground with courage that he displayed on the mountain. But like every human being, when you focus on yourself and remove your focus from the Lord, you discover that you that you are on the mountain, your fall will be so mighty, you will even go deeper than the valley. Elijah was afraid. He ran away. He didn't have any more courage. He ran away to Bathsheba and left his servant there. To let you know that discouragement is still around the corner. Some of you may have read the story just a few days ago. A young, beautiful lady. I'm sorry to say, not even a man. Men are the one that at least go out to look for money. 
this lady jumped into the lagoon. Some of us, when you are driving through the lagoon, I know some people, when they are driving through the lagoon, or if, if you take your car towards the end, they say, please go to the inner lane. Am I correct? Go to the inner lane. Don't leave the inner Just go slowly. As if going that slowly in the inner lane will prevent you from falling into the lagoon. And then somebody with his eyes, ears, and brain will go to the edge and jump. Number two, therefore, spend time with God. As soon as you realize you are discouraged, no matter the source of discouragement, according to the taxi driver who was said to be there, he said he had an argument with his, the person they call fiance. Argument that was heated and the next thing to jump into the lagoon. Please, Will you have disagreement with your spouse? Will you have disagreement with your partner, with other people? It can happen. But please, the next thing is, go back and spend time with God. Spend time with God. Be all alone. Remember, as you, as you jumped into the lagoon, he's going to appear before God. That man who also appeared before God, even if the man was the cause, even if the man pushed him, I pushed her, the man may have repented. On the day of judgment, the man may be in heaven. Where will the girl be? Discouragement. Because of discouragement. And be careful with a moment of indiscretion. Including sexual sin. Be careful with a moment of indiscretion. Spend time with God. We need to spend more time with God. That's the second one. Tell God how you feel. He's my father. He's your father. Tell him, Lord, I feel bad. Even though I don't expect you to say, say even if you have lost faith, I Lord, I'm not happy with you. Uh, tell him he's your father. He will restore your joy. He will restore your joy. Because your father knows that you are talking to him. He sees your heart. You're just pouring out your heart. Even in human parlance, they say when you're angry, if you're able to voice out whatever is in your heart, it's even 50%, you know, Am I correct? Yes. Not to talk away when you are talking to your dad. To my daddy. Daddy, I'm not happy. Tell him. The good thing Elijah did, he went into the wilderness. It's like wilderness. It's like he went to seek God. He went to be one-on-one -on -one with God. Beautiful. Beautiful. Fine. Your wilderness doesn't have to be that you must go to a jebel. You can go. It's beautiful. It will cut you off. Let your wilderness be a place where you cut yourself from your usual surroundings. Your iPad cut off. Your phone cut off. Your television cut off. If you want to add food to it, cut it off. And be, Lord, me and you. 
Father, you are my dad, oh, you have to talk to me. One on one with the Lord. Just cut off, cut off every noise. Cut off every noise. Elijah went to the wilderness. That was a good thing. Unfortunately, what was he doing? We will see. You see, we are not the first. When we are in such battles, and let me, looking at the word battle, do you, you notice one thing. More often than not, it is when you have just received blessing that probably you come and even testify uh, what God has done for me. We have waited for it for a long time. Then the following day, what happens? You face a mighty battle. As if, why did I testify? And that is life. You have blessing, you have battles. You have blessing, you have battles. Battle will not overwhelm us. Because we are, men, we are supposed to be men and women who trust the Lord. And these battles are supposed to be small. Like somebody once told me, though we were talking outside scripture, because we are still in the human flesh, what does it look like if all your life is blessing permanently? No problems. No arguments. Six times a day, pounded yam is brought before you. Blessing. The Lord only brings challenges to Jacosa. Do you, do you still trust me? After those blessings? Ah, no, you will complain bitterly to the Lord. Mm -mm, mm -mm. Lord, in you I trust. David, in Psalm 63, he said, how long, Lord, how long will I face? You know, it's like complaining. We cry out for mercy. And may even look as if God is not listening. But I tell you, he is. And David said, finally, if you go through that uh, Psalm 6, in verse 8 and 9, he said, the Lord has heard my weeping. The Lord has heard my cry for mercy. No wonder. Weeping may be for the night. Joy in the morning. Number three. Please take care of your physical health. Some of us neglect our physical health. In the process, like we have said, some of us develop high blood pressure. And I can tell you that I know brethren who arising from situations like this, they eventually had stroke. It does not help you in your service unto the Lord. It doesn't. Take care of your physical health. Once in a while, take a walk. Don't let it be from bedroom to the office chair. A car is driving. The car comes to the bedroom and takes you to the office. Do some exercise. Number five. Okay, number four. Recognize that there are wrong ways in trying to overcome discouragement. Elijah indulged in self-pity. Self-pity does not help you. 
Before the world, okay, it may help you. But it doesn't help your relationship with the Lord. It doesn't. And what self-pity can do is that by the time you wallow in the pity, you know, I have met a lady who one time, and I'm telling you a testimony, really true. I had to ask her, why is it that? Is it a cycle that you always, you know, uh, mood, mood is, the, is the word, which is like self-pity. Say, mm, I, I've heard what you have said, uh, Pastor. I think I, at times I enjoy self-pity. Yes. Just low down mood. Please, if you are one of those, cast it out of your life. Cast it. It's a spirit that should not have anything to do with you. The joy of the Lord, which means God's joy will be your strength. And it will radiate in your life. It's not dependent on your situation. That joy must show. And then, remember you are not alone in that adverse situation. You have faced adverse situation. Remember you are not alone. Uh, that is verses 9 and 10. We'll not bother that. I want to show us, show us a slide. And I invite all of us to please be very alert. Can, you, can we have the table, slide of table? And it's taken from Genesis chapter 5, verse 8 and 27. You can see, Seth was the third child of Adam. You know the first two children? Hmm? Cain and Abel, exactly, then Seth. So we look at the line of Seth as the Bible described. Seth looked, lived for how many years? 912. Was there anything specially said about Seth in that Bible? No, I sighed. I didn't see any. That's why I say none. Enosh was the son of Seth. He lived for 905 years. Nothing special was said about him. Canaan was the next son of Enosh. He lived for 910 years. None, nothing was said specially about him. I believe they were okay with the Lord, just average. It's okay. You are okay with the Lord. But nothing special. Then, Mahalalel, 895 years. Nothing special said about him. Jared was the son of Mahalalel. He also lived for 962 years. Nothing special said about him. Enoch lived for how many years? Is it in line with the other ones? It, didn't look, it doesn't look in line. Was there anything special said about him? He walked with God. He walked with God. And what happened to him? God took him away. Few years on earth. Please leave. That. Yes. The Bible says that Jared was, uh, I think, 170 years old when he gave birth to Enoch. By the time Enoch was about 300, you see, see the gap. There were 500, there was 500 years that were still on. So, Jared was still alive when God took Enoch. Jared, the father. And I think Enoch had children because Methuselah was his children. 
I mean, was his child. Methuselah in that line. So, I don't know. I believe he had other children. Other children were alive. Father were, was alive. Likely mother was alive. And yet, God decided to take Enoch. There were only two things I could gather. Lord, you are sovereign. Nobody understands God. You cannot say God has fitted you into this jacket. One plus one is two. That's how God works. No, God is sovereign. You may never understand what happens. Don't let it get you into depression. You may never understand what happens. Have I said you should not pray for what you desire? No, I have not said so. But God took Enoch. I don't want to make a joke of every situation, but I tell you seriously, if my name was on the list, I said, Lord, please change my name to Enoch. I want to be somebody who walked with you. Take me at a small age, I don't care. But Lord, let me walk with you. May you have something special by your name before the Lord in the name of Jesus. And yet, after Enoch, we have the word that even non-Christians know today. What is that adage? Methuselah. Are you just a Methuselah? Don't, don't let anything as if everything must have an explanation. No. Even though I know that these days, if your son went out with the father and came home and said, something just came and carried the father away. What will happen? Say, no, go and show me that place. But God took Enoch away. We cannot question God. We cannot go back. I have testimony, but my time is almost up, which I would have given to you. But I wouldn't have the time now. Like Enoch, David walked with God. But this does not mean that everything was perfect. No. David faced rebellion. So, it's not only in death. You can see various lines. Faced rebellion of Absalom, his own son. Despite David repenting and God forgiving him and restoring his relationship, ah, David did not have an easy life. Despite that, he didn't have an easy life. It was a life full of up and down. To the extent that David could say, Lord, how many are my foes? How many? You get that in Psalm 3 verses 1 and 2. How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. And that's why David concluded in verse 4. He said, like David, bring your fears and requests to God. I call out to the Lord and he answers me from his holy mountain. Let them say what they want to say. Let them act what they want to act. Yours is please. As you remember, you are not alone. Focus on God. From where commence our help. Uh, so, we focus on God. And as we see in Colossians, it says, Since you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above. Don't, don't, don't. 
don't set your things on what people are. You should not be moved by the environment. No. I'm not saying you should not know what is happening around you. Know it. But don't be moved by it. When Job was afflicted beyond measure, ah, even the wife said, Abba, cause God and do what? And die. Cause God and die. Abba, this situation is worse than death. No. <laughs> but Job, even though the Holy Ghost had not been poured out like it has been poured out, he said, no, God has given and he has taken. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Job could say that. His children died. His wealth taken away. But he could still bless the name of the Lord. He didn't question God. I am not saying you should not go to meet with the Lord. In fact, when the brother I'm talking, I'm, I, I would have given a testimony. When he died, I had to ask God, God, I need to hear from you. I was so devastated. I was a missionary until God spoke to me. <laughs> Funny enough, God spoke to me while I was having my shower. God can speak to you anywhere. I heard the Lord clearly. And when I heard the Lord, it's like a weight was lifted off me. I was fine. Because the word of the Lord is meant to do you good. Brethren, we're talking about what we should do uh, so that we can combat discouragement. And then finally, do the work of God. We can see that Elijah, by his behavior, by everything that happened to him, he no longer had, he no longer had the strength to do the work of God. He was sleeping. He went and hid in a cave. He couldn't do the work of God. And God said, eh, you go back. After God had fed him, he said, you go back to the work that I sent you. But this time around, since go and do this, go and do that, go and do that. In fact, when you read commentaries, tell you, do you what did Elijah succeed? Some say yes, some say no. What happened? Why did they say no? Those who say no, say because God now commanded him, go and anoint Elisha for the work he himself should have done. May God not take the work he has given to you away from you. What are you doing for the Lord? Are you so discouraged that you're just managing to come and worship God? Thank God you are still here. But please, when you are discouraged, that's not when you should shut yourself away from all other people. What am I saying? Be encouraged. Be encouraged. Discouragement will come our way. Let me just summarize by listening to us the steps I expect us to take again so that I believe God will help us to remember them. Number one, number one, recognize discouragement. Number two, spend time with God. Number three, take care of your physical health. Number four, recognize that there are certain wrong things you must never do, like indulging in self-pity that can only lead to depression. Number five, remember you are not alone. All that you are experiencing, people have experienced it before, and it's in scripture. It is there. So, 
See, how did they get through it? We have seen the example of Enoch, who just 365 years, the Lord took him, even though he was the only one mentioned as having walked with the Lord. And then number six, focus all your attention on God. Hear him and hear his word. Number seven, which is a final word, do the work God has called you to do. Don't use it as a sign of protest like some of us. If God doesn't do it, I beg, I can't do anything again. No. In conclusion, therefore, before I go to conclusion, I want to thank the Lord that we have shared this word, including those who are listening to us online by the grace of God. The thing is, on that day, we will no longer even be talking about depression. We will not be talking about discouragement. It's a matter of, have you given your life to Jesus? Have you surrendered your life to Jesus? He alone saves. There is no other name given under heaven by which there can be salvation. Only Jesus Christ is Lord and he alone saves. Shall we bow down our heads? Have you surrendered your life to Jesus? Brethren, think of your life. Think of your life. No matter the situation, there are people around that God has reserved for himself. You can be one of them. Surrender your life and say, come forward and say, God, I want to be your child. I want to be somebody you talk to. I want to be somebody who talks to you. And I hear your voice daily. You want to surrender your life, whether you are in the auditorium upstairs or you are in the penny hall downstairs or you are even online by the grace of God. You want to surrender your life to Jesus? Just raise your right hand where you are. I'm not going to ask you to come forward because my time is up. You want to surrender your life to Jesus. You want to give your life to you. Today is the day of salvation for you. You want to give your life. Just raise your hand so that because I'm living the stage now, my time is up. Where anybody, whether downstairs, there will be ministers there, they will pray with you. If you are online, please text forgiven to the number that will be displayed on your screen right shortly. Please, so that we can pray with you and pray for you so that you continue in the race. Father, I just thank you. I give you praise and I give you glory. You have given your word and I know that your word will never return to you void. I know that even for those of us here listening now, it has already done us good. It has done me good. Me, your servant, delivering your message. Help us that it will remain with us and we will be encouraged as we pass through this life. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray.